bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks, the super simple cloud accounting software that's giving thousands of freelancers and small businesses the tools to save time billing and get paid faster. Try it free at freshbooks.com slash TWIP. This is TWIP, episode 495, Tis the Season. Adobe updates Lightroom and Camera Raw for iOS and desktops. Instagram rolls out live video for all U.S. users. And is Time Magazine trolling Donald Trump with its Person of the Year cover shoot? Plus holiday gift suggestions for photographers. It's Monday, December 12th, 2016. And this is Twitch. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me on this week's show from the northernmost United States. No, I'm just kidding, Don Komarski. <laughs> Joining That's in the theme of the show though. We're going to be talking about that. Joining us from Canada, Mr. Don Komarechka. Hey Don, how you doing? The great state of Canada. Yeah, we haven't been brutally annexed yet. Um, Not yet. Not but yet. Uh, thank you for having me back on, Frederick. It's always fun to be on the panel. Well, always good to have you on. You add value to the show. Thanks for coming. And also, speaking of adding value, my good friend, Mr. Craig Colvin from Craig Colvin Photography. Hey, Craig. Hi, uh, Frederick. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. It's good to have you. We got lots of each, you know, we like, I want to talk about the projects that, let's just talk about it. I know, Craig, we said we weren't going to talk about it, uh, the thing that we have built together that's going live, but I feel like in this little special message segment, we have to talk about that and Don Komarechka's show that has pretty much launched on the TWIP network. <laughs> but I want to talk about both of these shows because they're, well, it's not, one's a, one's a course and one's a show. So, Don, your show that people have been waiting and sitting on the edge of their chairs for, what, 18 months now? For they, they've been show? drooling. <laughs> they, their mouths are dry now. Uh, yeah, but it yeah. is here. It is here. And maybe even by the time that people are hearing us say these words, uh, they'll be able to, to listen to the podcast or in the, 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 the rough vicinity of that. It is ready to go. And yeah. by the time that it does uh, officially uh, hit the airwaves, you'll have three full episodes to listen to right off the, the bat and more to come every other week. And what's the name of that show, and what are those three episodes? Inside the Lens is the, uh, the podcast. And so the first episode, me and you, Frederick, sit down and we talk about the inception of digital photography. Because the idea of this podcast is about the, the inner workings of photography, the science and the physics, the psychology, the, the fundamentals of the technology, how it all comes together. Uh, trying not necessarily to reference the, uh, the exact product numbers and models of whatever is out in a particular year, right. but in a more timeless fashion. It's not a gear show. It's not a gear show. It is a tech show, though, and I think that a lot of people will, will appreciate that. So we talk about the beginnings of uh, digital photography, and that's a, that's a fun conversation. And then we just go completely off the rails, and we start talking about electron microscopes in the second episode, right. um, beyond the limitations of light itself and where imagery can take it. And then for episode three, uh, we have uh, Ray Maxwell on as the, uh, as the guest, and we talk about color science and ray is a wonderful human being and uh, it's a great conversation so that that gets us started that's going to be great that is going to be a fantastic show i don't think i've heard a podcast on the twip network or otherwise that is that has such a science sort of you know between the pixels focus that your show does so i'm, I'm excited to see where it goes yeah it sounds great I'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah Thank you guys and, 
And Craig, what are you working on? You're you're working on kind of the polar opposite of what <laughs> Mr. Komareska is putting together over there. Well, so I've done a uh, a course for TWIP School uh, yeah. called uh, Photographing the Human Form. And it's all my uh, studio lighting techniques that I use when I do fine art nude uh, shoots in the studio. Uh, I believe there's 13 different lighting setups and show how to do all sorts of things from silhouettes to bodyscapes to rim lighting uh, and how I how I get my shots. Yeah, so. and that's crazy. Hopefully, by the time this episode goes live this Thursday slash Friday, that will be live in the TWIP school as well. So... Lots of stuff happening on the TWIP network. Thanks, yeah. both of you guys. Well, thank you for uh, yeah working on the TWIP network so hard. Yeah, you made it all happen. possible. Yeah. It is. Uh, see, the the cool thing about webcams is you can only see like the front part of me. Back here is all bald and gray. <laughs> 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 no, it's all good. I love doing this stuff. This is uh, this is the best job in the world. All right. Speaking of the best job in the world, let's dive into this week's featured story. Story number one is about some tools that most of us use. It's about Adobe updating Lightroom and Camera Raw for iOS and desktops. So, Don Komarska, you use these tools. You've heard of them, right? I have. Uh, they, they are part of my everyday workflow. And it, it's, it's a problem, though, because I use Lightroom quite a bit to organize my images. It's what I use to take stuff to Photoshop and back and forth. And it's been getting progressively slower and slower mm. and slower. Oh. Such that, you know, I, I have just under 600,000 images in my Lightroom catalog. Um, and when I was just trying to do, I'm, I'm in my, my uh, winter macro phase right now, so I'm doing a lot of snowflake photography. Mm. Um, I might shoot, you know, 8,000 images in a day. And uh, then trying to load those in, sort them, and do anything with it, it's impossible. In fact, what I, what I had to do out of desperation is just start a brand new Lightroom catalog from scratch mm. and start throwing all of my new images for just this ongoing project in there that then I guess at some later point I can sync together. I can merge them uh, in, in, in some way, shape, or form. In this update, uh, the reason why I'm mentioning this is uh, just as a footnote, uh, specifically they say that that includes under-the-hood changes designed to improve the responsiveness of your Lightroom experience, and I got excited because I was going to say, shouldn't every update say that? I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> but that seems kind of generic. That's well, like a doctor saying, "Yes, your checkup is designed to ensure your overall well-being and health." You know, it's like, <laughs> of course, okay. And then they say it should it should uh, improve when you're. Uh, uh, image editing responsiveness when background tasks are running, like when you're moving files between folders and running catalog backs, uh, backups, etc. Basically, they're saying that they are now multi-threaded uh, in a better way that, uh, mm. that takes advantage of more processor cores. And that's wonderful, but it doesn't solve the big problem. Uh, I'm, you know, There are other cataloging engines out there, and unless Adobe gets their act together to solve my fundamental problems as a desktop user, their core application is broken for me. For so, you, though, I mean, you're like you said, you so like on yeah, average I, around 8,000 images per day. Would I, I don't know if it's because of paranoia or whatever, like part of my yearly spring cleaning is a new Lightroom catalog. I don't, I don't have one giant, I used to have like one giant massive catalog that I called the Library of Congress. Then I would go out and shoot, and then I'd take that catalog and merge it to the master and keep going. I got nervous. Because it's like having all your eggs in one database. So I started going yearly 
and I create a new one every single year. You have everything in one, Don? Well, yeah, especially because if I've got, uh, for example, snowflakes, if I uh, photographed one from a few years ago, well, I yeah. might still want to access it across multiple years. Yeah. Uh, and, and yes, if, if I went on some fantastic trips uh, and I want to immediately go back to that, well, what if I went to the Yukon in 2012 and 2014? Yeah, that does suck. Yeah. You know, it, just, it, it doesn't work to separate them out. And yeah. yes, I understand that I am unique in the number of images that I take, but I am not unique in that my collection is constantly growing larger and larger. Yeah. And yeah. and people are not throwing images away anymore because they space is to. free effectively. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, I've I've got some eight terabyte hard drives that I'm about to throw into a, a fresh Drobo here to keep myself going for a, a few years moving forward, and yeah. it will take me there. But I need my Lightroom catalog to do that, and even phones. Just look at what you've got on any iPhone or Android device now. You can easily get 128 gigs of storage. And how are you going to catalog and organize and sort through and edit all of that? I am thrilled with what Adobe is doing on the mobile side of things. They're starting fresh, essentially, where mm -hmm. I think that the Lightroom on the desktop has a lot of baggage that uh, they still need to answer for. Yeah. How, well, how many images did you say you had? Uh, just shy of 600,000. Jeez. Huh. So I, I have about that, and I don't really see a performance issue. I, I think I have just over 550,000. And wow. yeah, I don't see a real degradation. Because when, like, I, I started off again putting all of my new images in the exact same place as all of my old ones, but with a fresh collection, and it's snappy again. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not the throughput. Are you from doing anything device. special? Are you doing anything special that, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of out of the ordinary, Don? Or? Lightroom is all vanilla, like, it's all straight out of the box. And what size images are you throwing at it? What are you shooting? Uh, typically between 18 and 21 megapixels. So nothing, nothing, nothing crazy. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe, maybe you are in fact a unique snowflake. I'm just <laughs> I had to, I had to put yeah, that in there. Thank I had you to for put that. It. <laughs> I don't, Craig. What about you, man? So you're having you're having an okay experience with the updates. I, I am. I do have I do have some multiple catalogs. I did split it up a few years ago because it one of the versions did get slow, and I did start splitting it up, and I hated that uh, yeah. having multiple catalogs so i've gone back to uh i, I i'm de, i'm to two where i have my my model work and my personal are uh, the two catalogs i yeah. have that's what that's um, me i have i have regular work and family that's my but split again i i haven't had a huge performance issue i do have an issue of i if i'm running both lightroom and photoshop at some point in time i have to close one or the other because mm. uh, i consume all the resources on the computer Interesting. Um, I can't say, both of you guys, I see a common denominator here, but I, I can't say that I've seen a slowdown. I don't have as many images as you guys. I probably have half what you guys have. But uh, which, which, which operating system are you guys using again? Uh, I'd rather not say. <laughs> let, the record show, let the record show these two men are using Windows and Frederick is using... Which is what a Lightroom was originally made for, right? Yes, it's it was. Not... It was. It was. I'm on a Mac and I haven't seen any problems. But, you know, who knows? There's so many there's so many different variables that go into this, you know. Don, did you I remember a couple of years ago you were having a dialogue or you were attempting to have a dialogue with Adobe about some metadata issue. Did they solve that in this latest update? Oh, of course not. No, that that issue still persists. They they delete um or I shouldn't say they delete. Whenever they create a a new file, um, they remove the maker notes section of the EXIF data, which contains mostly arbitrary and useless stuff, but for certain cases it is very useful. 
Mm-hmm. Um, certain things continuously get added back into uh, the EXIF standard. Most recently, I think they added the, uh, the camera's temperature to standard EXIF data. Uh, but cameras have been recording that information for years and years and years. But if it's not a standard field, Adobe completely ignores it when they create a resulting image. Uh, and so, it, it, yeah, they, they have not been cooperative. They haven't fixed it. They haven't fixed it. Well, you so, know what? I'm, I'm happy, though, that there's competition coming up. You know, you've got Affinity Photo. You've got yeah. so many. And that's now available on Windows. On uh, one. So it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And, and, and so when I look back, geez, it must have been Lightroom 2 or Lightroom 3. I jumped on a, uh, a, a live Q&A session with the Lightroom dev team. And a feature that I had been kind of clamoring over was if they could add the, um, the hue, saturation, and luminance adjustments to a local adjustment. Right, so if I want to change the color red in one part of a photograph, but not another part of the photograph, mm-hmm. uh, I would like the ability to do that. And I asked them, "Is it technically possible for this to be done?" And they said, "Yes, absolutely." That was seven or eight years ago. Uh, <laughs> well, you got to understand. I mean, having worked at Adobe, there's there's a very long, long, long list of features, and everyone you know is championing a certain championing a, a certain feature. And everyone thinks their feature is better than everyone else's feature, right? So Adobe has to weigh which features should make it into the next release, and does it benefit the overall, you know, body politic or what? Or you do just well leave it to defend completely. them, Frederick. They they have produced wonderful products, and I continue to use. I mean, them on Adobe's a changed the world. Come on, I mean, they they, no, they absolutely have. Uh, no yeah. question about it. Um, but I I feel that if they are just king of the hill and nobody is trying to knock them off, then oh no, yes, we yeah, definitely absolutely. Yeah, we need we need, need lots competition. of competition in there. Definitely, they need not lots of competition. Yeah, or else they'll just sit on their butts and you know and start, keep spoon feeding you stuff to keep your Creative Cloud subscription going. You know, and not innovating. As, I mean, we said this on the show before. You remember back in the day when. Um, you know, Photoshop was in version 2.5 and version 2 and, you know, pre-layers and all this other stuff. Then there was exciting things to come for every new release. There was like, oh, layers, we could do all this crazy stuff. And people were excited about, you know, doing crazy things with channels and then video and then 3D, which I never, ever used. You know, there's all these different things that started showing up. And now... You know, we're we get we're down to the maker's notes level of changes <laughs> <laughs> that that we cry foul on. You know, so you know if you zoom out and look at it, Adobe has changed the world. But yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think we need another Adobe out there. We need someone out there that's that's taking a slightly different perspective, look at graphics and compositing, and give Adobe a run for their money and say, well, hey, you know, that's your granddad's company for if you want to do that kind of old school stuff. We're doing it the real way. This is the way all the cool hip kids are doing graphics. So, you know. That's that's the way it works. It'll Time happen. will tell. Well, let's hope for it. But that company won't come along unless we are all actively searching for it. Uh, right. That's the problem. So we, that's we the problem. Can, we yeah. cannot stay complacent with the tools that we currently have. We have to continue to explore. My issue as a professional is I don't have a whole lot of time to explore that's it. and relearn a new piece of software. It's not and, complacency. It's it's bandwidth, right? You don't you're not you're not complacent about the tool. You're like if you have to, if to use the analogy of getting to work. If you have to get to work every day at 6 a.m. And you're working till like 3 a.m. You have no time to get your new car or get your car fixed or get the air conditioning fixed. You're just going to suffer through it until it breaks down completely. Right? It's the same I way with I did that this. recently. Yeah. You know, I know what that's all about. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. You know, it's it's what matters most at, at the time. So, Don, you also mentioned, I want to have you, both of you guys chime in on this, iOS. They updated the iOS uh, version of Lightroom as well, right? So they took a fresh new look at what mobile processing of photos could be. You want to take us through that a little bit? So uh, now I, I've got an iPhone uh, 6, and so I don't have raw capabilities on that, so it's hard for me to judge yep. uh, f- from that perspective. Yep. Um, and with m- the majority of my professional work on the desktop, I can't easily pull that volume of imagery onto the cloud and then onto my mobile device. So mm-hmm. for me, it doesn't work. But looking at what they've done from a functional standpoint of people that are in that mobile uh, ecosystem, I think that it's, I don't want to say leaps and bounds uh, above what it was before, but it is more than an incremental update. I think that they are... It's worth it. Yeah, yeah it, it, it is absolutely worth it. They are laying the foundation here with no baggage, no, no, uh, n- nothing to drag them through the mud and slow them down here on the mobile platform. And that's one of the reasons why uh, Lightroom was such a, uh, such a success to begin with. And slowly it started to get some baggage. You know, you've got the web module that I don't know if anybody's ever used right, uh, right. since version one. But I they always, always just turn that menu item off. It's off. Yeah. yeah and so, but <laughs> it, it's there. It is still under the hood. Uh, yeah. And I don't see much of that, if any of it, on the mobile app. And that's really refreshing to see. Some yeah. of the stuff there might eventually become outdated and become that baggage. But it is, it's a refreshing experience. Craig, do you, do you think uh, this is kind of a signpost that says Adobe is switching to mobile first? And the baggage-laden desktop version of Lightroom is going to take a back seat to the mobile world? Yeah, I, I actually, I had kind of had that feeling on the last release they did back in August, um, where they did a lot of, lot of work on the iOS version and just one or two little features on Lightroom. Mm-hmm. Um, right, this, the, the desktop version of Lightroom, they added one feature, basically. And, yeah. Right. Uh, but they did a lot of work on the iOS, and it's definitely something they're, they're focusing on, right? It's, yeah. it's their future direction. Um, is it a, is it a future direction for you though, as some as a professional shooter doing fine art work? Can you see? I know you use your iPad all the time for showing your right. work, but can yeah, you see you doing work on it, like post processing? Not really. I mean, the only only things I would post process on my iPhone are images I took on my iPhone. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to mm-hmm. take the ones out of my DLSR and download them to the iPad or iPhone to to edit them. Yeah. Right? I'm going to do that on the desktop. Uh, and I, I have used Lightroom Mobile a little bit when I'm out in the field and right, uh, maybe you know want to post a photo to Instagram or Facebook or whatever for social media. I'll do some tweaking and editing of it before I will, uh, you know, post it. So, but it's 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 infrequent and it's not you know it's not part of my normal workflow. The problem I think I don't know if it's a problem. I think it's just just an inherent limitation of working on one of these small screens is that it is a small screen. So you're, you know, even if you're on a on a tablet or whatever, it's still relatively small compared compared to your desktop. So like if you do some edit that you think looks fantastic on your phone and then you t- get home and look at it on the computer, you're like, "Holy hell, it's solarized. What did I do?" <laughs> Right. You, you can't get to that level of detail. So that that makes me a little bit timid. But I, I think it's going in that direction. I think we're going to get to a point where, you know, when these when these the tablets and the phones get to a level, I mean, they're already there, but we'll get to a level in terms of the software features that it's going to be OK. You know, you can, you'll be able to sit in Starbucks and complete the job that you shot 10 minutes ago. Right. I have a lot of photographer friends that uh, mobile is now their workflow. Uh, and they're doing everything on mobile because they it's with them all the time and they can it's convenient right they yeah. don't have to be tied to their desk to do it and when you and say mobile the, you're saying iPad 
typically iPad, yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, that works for them, um, right? If it, it, I guess it depends on what you're shooting and. and I was going to say, right. yeah, because a Don Komarechka, it ain't going to work for Don yeah, with, it's not gonna work for, with uh, 900 levels, layers in there. <laughs> it's not going to work for my model photography, but for street photography, it works fine for me. I, yeah. you know, I never, I don't. I don't use Photoshop for that. I, I do yeah. all my street photography in Lightroom. Uh, I could do it on the mobile app just as well. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Good times, though, man. All this stuff is changing. It's changing so fast. I got something I'm going to talk about a little bit later, too, that's in this, this same vein. Um, the next story I want to talk about is Instagram. So today, as we record this, it is the 12th of December, 2016, Instagram had previously been in a trial or a test to all the elite cool people like the Trey Radcliffe's of the world. You know, they got they got access to this live video streaming feature within Instagram. Well, today they rolled it out to all U.S. users. So that means you and me, Craig. Sorry, Don. Yeah. <laughs> that means we got to have something this year. Come on. We're suffering down here. <laughs> So they roll it out to us, and uh, so the feature is basically you can now stream live to your Instagram feed, and the cool thing about it is it instantly notifies the people that are following you that you're streaming, which is kind of ridiculously cool. Negative of it is, unlike Facebook, you're not archiving any video. So it's you shoot it, and it's, you know, it's ephemeral. It goes away after you're done. Which is, I guess it's kind of cool too, you know, because it, it kind of lends to the, if you want to see this content, you need to be following me and you need to be watching when I do it. It's not like I can put it off till later and watch the replay thing. So, I don't know, Craig, Craig, can you see yourself in the future live streaming one of your shoots? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been, I've been uh, working up towards that. I'm, I'm planning on doing that with a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I think I'm shy, I would, man. I'm shy. I don't know. <laughs> I think I would probably lean more towards though Facebook because it yeah. does do archive it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, this this is kind of a, a cross between. It seems like they're competing with both Facebook and Snapchat. Yes, right? it reminds me a lot of Snapchat, uh, the ones I've watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think there is some value there. I mean, um, I would use this before I would use a Snapchat before I would start right, doing. Right. Those kinds of things. This seems well, Snapchat's mo- only you know you have you know limited time you know ten seconds or you know a minute you can do right. Yeah, I don't uh, think you're allowed to be on there if you're over thirty anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how that's how I communicate with my kids is Snapchat. That's, well, there that's you how, go. That's how they. Well, communicate, you have you so. have an ambassador that's allowing you into that circle, yeah, exactly. right? You can't just be up there by but yourself. I can't just Craig. be posted to anybody. Yeah, I no. can only post to them. Yeah. You got you need a sponsor to get but, in there. But uh, um, I, I, mean, I I think this Instagram thing is is interesting um i have not seen any compelling videos even from the the people that got the beta release of it yeah um i i find the facebook ones much more interesting yeah well people can produce like full-on shows on facebook and there's there are tools like wirecast and obs open broadcasting studio i think it's called um, on both platforms that allow you to do live switching, multiple cameras, lower thirds, and you know all that kind of stuff, and stream it directly to Facebook for you know from the from the comfort of your desktop. 
these, I don't think with Instagram, it's not, it's not the beast it's designed to do. It's Instagram is designed to, hey, you're running around the beach and you want to show people what you're doing and allow them to interact with you. But although you can do that with Facebook, Facebook allows you to push it to the next level and go full on broadcast esque if you want to, mm-hmm. versus versus just kind of serendipity. Hey, look at look at what I'm doing, Don. What about you? Do you see a use for this in your world anywhere, or you're you know for showing people what you're Even doing? Even though you can't use it, yeah, I can't yet. use it yet. Yeah, actually. It's coming. Uh, I look at what my uh, workflow is as far as how I do audience engagement. And I really think that I should be doing some live streaming at some point in the future. Um, But I would not necessarily want that content to be transient. I I would want it to last in some way, shape, or form. So Mm. um, maybe Instagram will allow you to save that at some point in the future. The feature is in its infancy. Right now, I don't think that it would be terribly useful for me even if I had access to it. But if... Uh, if you have a huge audience on Instagram, and that might be where you have been putting all of your social media focus for one reason or another, you've gotten the traction there, mm-hmm. uh, then that's exactly the environment where you want to be doing your live streaming because Absolutely. you'll have more eyeballs on you. And and I, I feel uh, that so many people try to uh, excel at every social media outlet and they spread themselves too thin and they don't get the audience engagement and the audience buildup that they're looking for. So if they have chosen then Instagram as, uh, as their, their path to, uh, to, to, to those eyeballs, I, I think it's a good, good feature to have. I don't, know, I don't know why it wasn't there earlier. I mean, Facebook has been rolling this out and Facebook and Instagram are, uh, are one and the same in, in many ways. Um, but it's, it's just... It is the feature that every of the every one of these applications is always going to have. That Twitter has Periscope. You've got the Facebook Live. Well, we didn't know we needed it until we needed it, right? I mean, like last year, no one was talking about streaming video other than what YouTube, right, and, and Hangouts and that sort of thing. Now it is the big must-have feature that everyone, including DJI and all these people, are incorporating into their platform platforms because everyone wants to stream now. It seems like a foregone conclusion. Yeah, and it will continue to be that way. I think that uh, the younger generations are continuing to, to force this, that this is the way people communicate. They communicate with uh, instantly viewable and uh, and often disappearing photographs, and why not translate that to video as well? Uh, yeah. That That is just the, the, the nature of evolution of social communication, and uh, it is here to stay. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think 2016, we saw... You know, these these services kind of come in a couple of iterations of, of polish, maybe 2017, 2018. We'll start seeing more substantive content from from people as they get their feet wet and start understanding the medium a little bit better like me. <laughs> so, so, all right, guys, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Time's Person of the Year. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. So you're racing against the clock. To wrap up three projects, you're prepping for a photo shoot later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelance photographer. Challenging? Yes, but our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are so worth it. With freelancers and small business owners in mind, FreshBooks has announced the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for our needs, photographers. FreshBooks has created a super-intuitive tool 
tool that makes it easy to create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. You can easily customize your invoice with your logo, color scheme, or any image that reflects your brand. You'll be able to see what invoices have been sent, viewed, and paid, as well as overdue and outstanding invoice totals. You can even chat with your client regarding an invoice once they receive it. The modern and simplified dashboard works as the hub of your business, answering the most important question, how is my business doing? You'll have quick access to outstanding balances, spending, total profit, and accounting reports like tax summary and profit and loss. Tracking expenses is as easy as taking a photo of your receipt and using the FreshBooks iOS app. You can track expenses by vendor and by category. And time tracking makes it easier to bill for time by client and by specific projects. You can easily start your timer and track your time to the minute. And when it comes time to create an invoice, you'll know what you did and when you did it. So get ready for the simplest way to be more productive and organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to the TWIP audience. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Start your 30-day free trial today. And we thank FreshBooks for supporting this episode of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, we are back with story number two. So uh, do you guys know who Time's Person of the Year? You know, Time Magazine picks a person every year because of they did something noteworthy or otherwise changed the world or the conversation on Earth somehow, right? And this year, do you know who they picked? Your president-elect, Frederick. Yes. Well, I would, I would say the president-elect. <laughs> so, uh, he's not my president-elect. I did not elect him. Um, but he, <laughs> nor did the populace. Um, but yeah, so Time Magazine is, uh, they basically crowned Donald Trump as the, who is, like you said, the U.S. president-elect to be the person of the year. They actually, if you watch the video, we're going to link to the story on the Daily Mail, but if you watch the story, they they weren't apologetic about it, but they were explanatory about it. <laughs> they were explaining that they weren't endorsing the man. They were, they were, you know, he deserved it because he changed the conversation, right? He's a big deal, regardless of, of how you agree with his politics or his meth- methods or what he says. But this, the reason that it's on TWIP is because <laughs> Time Magazine. Have you guys seen the photo? You have, yes. Please tell me yes. you've seen the photo. So go look at the photo. If you, haven't seen, if you haven't seen it yet, listening or watching this, go look at the photo. Um, and I'll bring it up here while I'm talking. But they, uh, Time chose to put the photo of Donald Trump or the image of Donald Trump right above their logo. And part of the logo, the M in time, is right above his head, kind of forming like devil horns, right? <laughs> so so I, the, the reason I wanted to bring it on this show is, is that ethical of them to do as, a, as kind of a news-based organization? And B, do you think they meant it? Is this intentional? I got to say it was intentional because, you know, I mean, it's time. They know every pixel on their page, right? So, Craig, what do you, what do you think? I, well, I, I do agree that it was intentional by time to do it. Um, I, I, and I don't know if they had multiple photos to select and they selected one where he happened to be, right, that was going to work well. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's really the question, uh, more interesting question to me. But uh, I, yeah, I absolutely I think they're doing it. Whether it's ethical or not, they're the media is they have their biases and they're oh, going yeah. to do what they what they're going to do. And uh, their time has uh, has had other negative you know uh, comments and articles about Trump, and uh, so I'm not yeah. surprised that they would do that. Yeah, yeah, and and in the defense of. The Trump supporters, you know, the the whole the, I, I I agree with you on the whole media bias thing, like just media bias in general has got me sick to my stomach over this past election season from the fake news on Facebook and how all that's coming out to meddling from other countries. All of this stuff is just like got me upset. And I, I know I'm not alone, you know, in, in this country. And then you look at this kind of stuff and it's like, you know, I think of time. I understand what they were doing, and I also think it was intentional. But I look at this, and I think I, I hold time to a higher standard of adultness, you know, and not not so much bipartisanship or you know straight down the line, but still, you know, you're you have millions of people viewing you, and you are Time Magazine. You know, it's like a cheap shot. It seems like I don't know, Don Comoresco. What do you think? You you see it, right? Yeah, I I, I see it. I, I totally see it, and it's hard for that not to be intentional. Uh, now, to be fair, they chose Donald Trump to be the um, the the person of the year. Mm-hmm. That that is a bias in, in the very nature of them having to choose somebody. It is their opinion that he is their person of the year, yeah. uh, and how they choose to portray him again reflects part of that bias. I will say though, even though that's intentional, I need to put this in a greater context because if it's intentional, they've been doing this as a running gag for many years. They have, uh, yeah. and and so you know, well, I remember the OJ picture. From way back when, they made OJ look like uh, they destroyed the man. <laughs> yeah. Of well, you know, and, and I'm looking at, uh, at what the possibilities are for um, uh, for how you can uh, make somebody look like the devil. They they did a fantastic one uh, with Pope Francis, and and so they've got the like just the purely red tips above his uh, his uh, uh, his head and yeah. and one with uh, actually two of them with uh, Bill Clinton and two of them with Hillary Clinton and and, and yeah. lots of others I mean it, they have done this in a somewhat bipartisan way um, well I mean it's pretty obvious if you look at the title it's Donald Trump president of the divided states of America right so <laughs> yeah there it's not like they're pulling punches about their 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 stance on the man so my point is that they they've done this and I think that they try to do it whenever possible. And, you know, and uh, yes, you know, you can see that that people had made some very uh, striking similar comments uh, between even the type of chair that Donald Trump is sitting in compared to a cover of Time uh, during uh, the era where Hitler was in favor. And uh, and he was on the cover and people were drawing all of that conclusions. And I think mm-hmm. that is reading far too too much into it. I think that this is their running gag. They wanted to give uh, Trump some devil horns like they had done many other people in the past because that is what they're up to. And if that is their gag, then keep on doing it. I'm looking forward to whatever they do with it next. Well, it's not like the man is innocent. I mean, he has painted a giant target on him, you know, for ridicule and, and, you know, any, any kind of criticism. I don't know, Craig. Craig, you wouldn't have if you were art directing this. You would not have let this fly, would you? Uh, well, as as uh, actually, I probably not. <laughs> He's like actually, yeah, I would have. <laughs> no, well, actually, though, looking at historical what what Don was just mentioning, if you go back and look over 
the you know, past years, this is not this is a a running gag. I mean, they've they've done yeah. this to a lot of different people that they right. Putin had it, you know. Uh, Clinton had it. The Pope had it. They it's so maybe that that is that's just their thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm pulling them up now. And they 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 seem to pick and choose who they're going to right do it. Bernie, he's offset, so he he only has a he's a unicorn horn. He's supposed to devil orange, right? So yeah. they they kind of pick and choose based on on who it is. Yeah, here we go. So here here are the. I just did a Google search for Time Magazine covers, so we can take a look through here. Look at that. Oh, I should do Person of the Year, right? Let's see, Time Magazine, uh, Person of the Year covers. All right, here we go. Hey, there's Putin. Hey, didn't do anything. Oh, Putin has little devil horns too. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that! Wow, yeah, and you know, well, they well, I guess you easily... could say everyone does. Look at Clinton has yeah, double horns, but, <laughs> but others they put the time in front of them, and so yes. right, oh, yeah. Barama, uh, Barack Obama, he's right, he's behind the logo. Yeah, yeah, where is right? he? There he is. Oh, yeah, that's right. Look at that. I wonder if there's anything to that. I guess you could read into that, you know. Or look at Steve Jobs here is way below the logo. So he's he's not obscured in any way or, you know, being touched by the logo in any way. Wow. So, Dang. right, right. They're they're just right there. They have their bias they They have their opinions and this is just their way of expressing it. Right. You can you can take photos and manipulate them and do a whole bunch of stuff and um, yeah. you know, make it make it fit your 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 model i think twip twip needs to do a photographer of the year and and take creative license as to how we portray that person who should that be Don well, anybody that wins a photo <laughs> contest i mean that contest is judged by people that have their own biases yeah. um and i'm for one totally in favor of the free speech that uh, if time magazine as an independent news outlet wants to say something they should be allowed to say whatever they want, uh, yeah, and they should yeah, not be influenced by anybody. And if that's what they want to put out there, then I am happy that that free speech and the free media exists. Well, let's let's hope that amendment holds for the next four years, <laughs> because there is some there's some uh, there's some question about that. All right, guys, let's move on from this story onto something a little bit more lighthearted, and that's story number three. So this is actually not a story. I wanted to do this this part of the conversation to to kind of pick both of your brains about holiday gift suggestions for photographers, or better yet, things to hint to your spouse or significant other about what you need so that they can have an idea what to get you. The The issue that I get from people in my life all the time is – you have everything that you want and I don't know what to get you because as soon as you see something you want, you go get it like the drone or something, which there's some truth to that. But there are things that I want that I have not purchased for myself yet. So Craig Colvin, what about you, man? What's uh, if somebody wants to buy something for a photographer or you for the holidays, what should it be? Well, so I, I tend to, if it's inexpensive, I buy it for myself. I save the big stuff for people to buy for me. <laughs> See, I'm the reverse. I'm the reverse. I can't count on people to buy me the right uh, stuff. Uh, yeah. So, so the, the things I have on my my uh, my Christmas wish list this year um, are the DJI Mavic. Oh. Uh, yeah. So yes. I I love taking my Phantom on trips, but it's I don't take it because it's so big and bulky. So oh yeah. You know, and the smaller one I think would be great. Um, and uh, photography workshops, 
I mm. try to do two or three workshops every every year. Um, some of them just to get access to places I might not otherwise be able to get access to. Uh, but it, just getting out and photographing for, you know, four or five days or a week, right? Um, and just marinating in photography is uh, good for the soul and good for my photography. So yeah. uh, I always try to... Uh, it's always good creatively, I mean, just to, to get yourself out of the routine and the loop where you are even like you live in the bay area right so there's a million things that you could shoot here but you're still in the bay area if you transplant yourself someplace else or if someone outside the bay area comes here then it feels like oh you know my creative juices are flowing how do i capture this because i may not get back to this place again right right right. well and it's also just being as i said you you're you're doing it 24 7 right if i do it here in the bay area i come home at night and i have other things that take me out of it being able just to hang out with other photographers and uh, chat with them over dinner and and just do n- nothing but talk about photography all day every day yeah. for a few days is uh, that's where I get my inspiration. You know what and we need recharge my batteries. You know what we need we need we need here's an idea for a startup. So someone out there do this startup. We need kind of like uh, like Airbnb, but an exchange kind of situation for photographers that want to experience and shoot different cities so you know someone from france that's tired of shooting france could come hang out at your place craig and you could go hang out at theirs for a week and shoot right and then come back and you know then you're friends for life after that anyway if they haven't trashed your place so uh, (laughs) don don komarenska man what about what about you what's uh what's a good gift for you i was gonna say that the big gifts are the ones that nobody will ever buy for me because they're too expensive exactly Uh, and so yes i will buy them myself but because they're incredibly obscure and even if they wanted to get me something in that price point they would have no idea where to even start looking Mm -hmm. so i've amassed a few things that i would consider stocking stuffers stuff that's under 200 bucks or 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 far less than that number one and i made this a, a, a twip uh, pick years ago uh, is a third hand tool and these are little uh, alligator clips on swivels and so these little clips will hold flowers and little things oh. to do water droplet refraction photography and all sorts of other fun stuff for a macro photographer this is an essential tool and they cost $10 or less on Amazon uh, third hand tool they're used I guess pr- uh, primarily for soldering electronic components and, and things like that but for photography it can be a wonderful tool uh, if if there's a photographer out there and they've got like some filters, chances are they do not have or they could use another neutral density filter. Uh, mm-hmm. So that is one filter that I think you can never have too many of because you can layer them up and you can do ridiculously long exposures and have a lot of fun with them. Um, I've got this one here from uh, Breakthrough Filters and they do great work. Um, but, you know, some other fun stuff is like I, I write for uh, a magazine, Outdoor Photography Canada. But there's a lot of them out there that are still producing very good content. A subscription to a photo magazine that is right up their alley as, as far as the content content that they're looking for. You want to give a gift that keeps them engaged in their art, especially as life continues to become busy. So yeah. a subscription to a magazine is a great idea, uh, or a membership, uh, yearly membership in their local photo club that they may or may not be uh, attending. So if they really? aren't, buy them a membership and get them out there to talk to the other photographers in their area uh, and, and help them push their craft that way. It doesn't have yeah. to be all about the gear. Um, I was at a uh, yard sale recently, and I bought an old Polaroid camera for $2. Um, and I saw one at a local thrift store for 5 And so I know they're available for dirt cheap around me. 
So I picked up for myself as a Christmas gift some impossible uh, film for the old Polaroid cameras. Uh, so wouldn't it be fun if you give them a camera, you give them an old Polaroid and some film for it? Just go have fun with that. Just yeah. whatever that's going to be for however long it lasts, it will be just a fun little experience. Um, and last but not least here, I've got uh, I just I haven't used this yet. This is this is a crazy contraption where it's got a camera mount on the bottom Ooh. and it's got these two arms that have. Uh, um, I uh, need. That flash mounts. And so this is for. It's Arca Swiss at the bottom. Is that Arca Swiss? No. Plate? Well, I mean, you can adapt it to Arca Swiss. This is just a, a screw. Uh, okay. Actually, no, this okay. one is Arca Swiss. I didn't even realize that because I thought yeah, it was it's so Arca cheap Swiss. It be yeah. um, this cost me 10 to $20 on eBay. You know, free shipping from Hong Kong. There's no brand on it or anything. I have no idea who makes it. Um, but this little contraption is going to be huge for me next year when I'm doing my macro work because I can guide the flashes directly down to the subject. But you could send these out quite a ways away from the camera and get off-camera flash that is very directional. And these are, like, really solid. It takes a lot of effort to, to move these arms. So if you put a flash on the end, it's not going to bend the arm uh, in any way. That's so killer. The, again... And that's a ball joint at the top too, right? Yeah, so this is a ball joint uh, on on the flash end, and uh, so you can. Yeah, can you also do a threaded uh, mount there? Uh, on does that, this, do those come off? I because I, I, I would like to do the, the yes. Luma cube. Oh, look at that! You yeah. can put Luma cubes on there. there you go. I, yeah, I've been I've been looking for a solution to mounting Luma cubes onto my camera. You have, you have it, to Greg. put those. You have to put the the links to those in the show notes so we. Can I'll see if I can post. find them. They're in my eBay shopping list. I'll dig those out. Yes, we need that. <laughs> that you can't tease us with that and not let us buy it. <laughs> That's cool, man. Anything else? Um, you know, I, I'm always a fan of little mini tripods as well. Um, like, I, I always keep one of these things in my camera bag. This is a Manfrotto mm. Pixie tripod. In fact, I did a uh, self-portrait with one of these where my other two cameras were out shooting star trails, and I didn't have another tripod. I used this thing with a 1DX uh, on it, and it held it up just perfectly fine. So these little tiny tripods I use not only for my cameras, but they are perfect for mounting a flash to when I'm doing tabletop macro photography. And so I can have that positioned exactly where I want it to be, and the little ball head moves wherever I want, and these are cheap too. Um, again, these things do not need to be expensive for a photographer to enjoy them. Even if a photographer has a tripod, they'd love one of these uh, alongside. Even if they have one, a second one doesn't do any harm. You, you can never have too many of those. You can't yeah. go wrong with this stuff. Yeah, and that could just live in your camera bag, and you always have support to do long exposures or self-portraits or whatever. Especially right? if you're traveling and you want to go light. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, I have a couple of picks, so or a couple of these feel like picks of the week, but they're actually suggestions. Um, Craig, you mentioned the gift of knowledge, right? So mm -hmm. uh, I would recommend Lynda.com or LinkedIn Learning, whatever you know they're calling themselves these days but giving someone that like a year-long subscription to that yeah, is is gold because there's always something new to learn there's always a new piece of software to get your brain around that thing linda works on your apple tv on your mobile devices on your tablets you can take it with you it remembers where you were as you're moving through the different lessons so you could watch it on your tv and then you're sitting at the dentist's office popping your headphones and continue on your phone you know it's i use it all the time i, I used it I yeah i used it just recently to get up to speed on final cut pro 10.3 and they released a getting up to speed on final cut pro 10.3 course and now i'm up to speed on it you know and it's it's fun and they're all well produced a lot of people can say well you could learn all that stuff from youtube but it's not as well produced and organized and 
methodical as as Linda lays out lynda.com or or LinkedIn now lays out their content. So that's one of them. Another one, if you're into this video stuff, um, which I am increasingly getting into kind of a, you know, a photograph, a, a, a motion photograph or a story in one frame, uh, Ripple Training. So R-I-P-P-L-E, Ripple Training. They do a bunch of cool training. They're not Linda. They're like, you know, a smaller a smaller version of Linda, but they're niche. They're, spe- they're, they're specific to... Um, video and motion graphics and and that sort of thing. So they're they're actually really cool as well. And I don't believe they do subscription. I think all of their courses are a la carte. So you buy it and you get it. They also sell a bunch of plugins for Motion and Final Cut Pro and Premiere and those sorts of things as well. Um, and then the third, I have two more. The third one is Photo Jojo. So photojojo.com is like... It is like a candy store for the geek photographer, right? So if you just go there and close your eyes and point at the screen and buy that, that will probably be something that the photographer in your life wants. So just go to photo, P-H-O-T-O-J-O-J-O, photojojo.com. And my final suggestion is this little piece of kit that I have in my garage right now that's indispensable. It's these little, these little stands that you can take a piece of foam core and oh, slide into the top of them. I've Craig, have you of heard those. of these things? I have heard of those, yeah. <laughs> so Craig, Craig makes these, right? Are you still yep, making these? I still do, yep. I, yeah, still... so describe them to them because I use them all the time. They're, they're, it's like a brilliant invention. So it's uh, foamcorestands.com, and they're, these, they're wooden stands that you can take uh, foam core board, uh, three-eighths inch or um, half-inch thick foam core board. It'll hold a four-by-eight sheet vertically uh, on the eight-foot direction. Um, and yeah, they, they stick right on the bottom of it and they work great. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. It's, it's simple. It's one of those, you know, head slapping, simple inventions. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It works great. Yeah. So foamcorestands.com, right? That's right. Yep. Cool. Good picks. Good picks. And we'll link and to that, all this stuff in the show notes. All right. Uh, I have a couple others. Uh, you know, you asked what mine were. I have a couple other smaller ones for people. Oh uh, yeah. Please do. Yeah. Summer. Go ahead. Um, an intervalometer, if you don't have one, oh, right? Everyone yeah. should have an intervalometer. That's how I do all my self-portraits. Yeah. Uh, I just right, set it up and have it fire off 10, 10 15 shots. Oh, so I can't – are you like voguing in front of the camera while yeah, you're firing? Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Um, the, a little more expensive, but the, the, the Ricoh Theta 360 camera, mm-hmm. uh, I've really been enjoying that. I carry that with me everywhere and uh, really enjoy taking – you know, 360 degree panoramas. Um, I'm going to ruin your night, Craig. It, it, yeah, it's all right. Uh, it, and it's gotten even better now that Facebook recognizes them. Right, uh, if you bring it up on your phone on Facebook, you can actually just pivot and swivel around, and it will change the direction that you're looking in it. Yeah, uh, I think those are great. Um, the the platypod. I'm wanting to get one of those. You have. I, I think you've talked about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have two of those. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, yeah the, the platypod is uh, basically it's in the other room, um, but it's just a it's simple. It's one. Of, it's like yep. your 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 foam core stands. It's a simple yep. invention. It's a plate with little feet on it. If you want it, you can take those off, and then on top of it, you can either mount your uh, you know a, a head like a tripod head on top of it, so you can stick your camera on there. And what it is, it's deceptively simple because it'll slip into basically any bag, but it gives you support wherever you go with without taking up 
pretty much any space. You can put lights on it. I put ice lights on these things, so you can just set them up and, and go. It's like an extra pair of hands, no matter what you're doing. And they're 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 pretty smart. They they serve a different purpose than like the tripods because they're you can put them anywhere, right? You can put them on a flat surface. You can set them in the corner. Or, you know, do whatever you want with them and and rock and roll. So yeah, I agree. I like that. Great. And then finally, um, photography art books. Um, mm. Just right. Uh, I get so much inspiration just going through and looking through a lot of you know the old masters and even the newer ones. Um, I've never gone through a. a an art book of other people's photography and not being inspired somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. So. In fact, I just got two in the mail day before yesterday from Serge Ramilly. So Serge Ramilly released, uh, you know, he's, he's Parisian. He lives in Paris, but I, I believe he also has a place in LA. Um, so he sent me his Paris book. It's a coffee table book, you know, big size. And he's got one of New York. And you just sit there, these, these like looking through there, having gone to both of those cities and you look through them, you're like, I'm just thinking, this is not the New York I was in. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> why, why does it look like this? It did not look like that when I was there. Same with Paris, you know? So yeah, it's, it's really good for, to get inspiration from, from other people's work instead of just kind of staying in your own bubble all the time. So Craig, this is why I'm going to ruin your night. So uh, this is also a gift suggestion. We talked about this on a previous twip, but I haven't, I didn't have it yet. I just ordered it. Uh, it is this thing. So this is called an Insta360. The quality, in my opinion, is superior to the to my Theta S. Um, but this is how it connects to your phone. <laughs> so it connects. To- it connects to your iPhone just like that. It powers up, launches the app, and you're taking pictures. You know, just it is. It is it really it, smart. It, it does video and uh, does video it, and it, still it does it does HD video. But check this out: the video out of this thing is superior to what I was getting from the uh, the Nikon Key Mission 360, which shoots in 4K. That one was 600 and something dollars all in with all the different bits and baubles I bought with it. This one is about $300 (laughs) and it goes in my camera bag. It even comes with a little like felt case that it goes in and that's it. And uh, I'm off into the races. I'm shooting. You can shoot without it on the camera. There's a little trigger button on the front. You can just take it out, push the button and take pictures, you know, and rock and roll. You can set it. Even the app is smartly designed. So the, the app is, you know, you can do, um, timed shots you can do time lapses it's smart enough to know like you put it in compass i think they they call it compass mode where it will use the the camera's compass so that as you move around like you were saying craig it moves around in 3d space you know right after you take the shot so there's no like okay i gotta shoot it now i gotta copy it over here and i gotta do that as you take the picture now you're looking at that picture in three in 360 degrees so yeah it's it's pretty cool it's called the insta 360 insta 360 really cool i like it what are the specs on this thing um yeah it doesn't tell you just say f it says fisheye hd f2.0 <laughs> so it's f2 lens but you know for what it is i think it's pretty brilliant it'll stay in my bag and i i would use this before i use the use my theta yeah. now the theta okay. still the theta has has its uses still you know and it's still revolutionary for this class of camera but i think this one kind of trumps it 
could use it a little bit <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's so quick to put on there and you know launch the app there's no okay i gotta pair it and do all this other stuff just to get to the image you stick it on there and it's it's kind of stream of consciousness you shoot it and you're you're off to the races and done well, great. So, so right. definitely I'm, check that I'm out. I'm ordering one right now. I figured you would. I told you. <laughs> I knew you were going to order one. All right, cool. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Um, when we come back, actually, let's not take a break right now. Let's go directly into the listener Q&A segment. And we don't have a listener question in here for some reason, so let's just make one up. So let's let's discuss a question that I get all the time from people. So the question I get, what's the what's the number one question you guys get as a photographer from from people that aren't photographers? Correct. Which which camera should I get? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the question of the week. Which of camera should I buy? What's the best camera out there? Right? Craig, what's what's the best camera? What what camera should everyone go buy right now? Uh, there's no answer to that. Yes. Uh, there's no one best camera. No. Um it it all depends on what you're shooting and and what you're gonna. It, the the best camera is the one you're gonna carry with you, right? So if you go and buy a DLSR and it just sits at home, that's not the right camera to have, right? Um, some people say you know your camera phone is the best camera you can have with you, right? Yes, right yes. because you're gonna have it with you all the time and um, that a lot of the Micro Four Thirds cameras I'm I'm I that's what I'm using now whenever I travel. I'm not taking my DLSR, mm-hmm. um, so I, yeah, it really varies depending on what what you're what you're shooting and what you like to do. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and and your budget and yeah. how enthusiastic. Don't I think that the higher level response to that is don't use the 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 excuse of not having a particular camera to go to not go shoot. Especially these days, because we have iPhones, Android cameras that are just amazing and better than expensive cameras that we had just a couple of years ago. So you can go shoot. There's no excuse to to not shoot, and there is no one right camera. So, the, you know the 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 way that I respond to that question all the time is, how much money do you have? <laughs> what are you What are you shooting? You know, that's it. With those, you can triangulate the third with those two data points, right? Don Kamarska, what do you think? Yeah, and, and I agree with everything that was just said. Um, I know somebody that does a lot of professional work in in abstract and wonderful ways with their cell phone, and mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're selling it as art, and it doesn't require the uh, the technical muster of a higher end uh, DSLR or or any other kind of um, you know that camera from Sony. Uh, which makes, in my opinion, some of the best mirrorless cameras on the market. Um, But, you know, I I would say anything from the the Sony a7 or any of the smaller Fuji cameras, they are wonderful for a digital SLR. If somebody's looking to upgrade something, even the older Canon 70D is great. But the point is, as Craig had mentioned, you can't walk into a camera store and buy a bad camera. It, it, no. you, you, can't, you, you can't walk away with one because the camera will always be better than your artistic ideas will be. Um, and that wasn't always true. That was not always no, true. No, that's true. That's right. Yeah, it's gotten it, that way. It, it has gotten that way. Now, that's not to say that some cameras aren't better than others. That, that's always going to be true. Uh, and if your artistic ideas really push the limits of technology, well, you might need certain things. But to your point, Frederick, you can get that information with a few simple questions and direct somebody to the camera that might be the best for them. Um, I, I have fun playing around with old, like, weird cameras. I don't know if I can reach it here. I've got, sitting on my desk... 
This is a uh, a stereo realist camera, which has. Uh, this is a film camera that has two lenses that take the pictures, and then you see through the one in the middle. Uh, so these things you can buy on eBay for almost nothing these yeah. days, and it does something that no modern camera can do. Uh, so is that the camera for you? Well, probably not, because people can't even <laughs> give them away. Uh, yeah. But the point is that even just an obscure camera like that can do something that even the best of the modern technology today cannot do in the same way. You've got to find the right camera for you and exactly what your needs are. Um, we, we, could, we could beat this horse even farther, but there is no right answer to that question. Yeah. I'm always asked, whenever I post an image that people genuinely like, they say, oh, what camera did you use? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, that, that's never a question I ever want to answer because yeah. it's not the camera, it's not the lens, it's the effect of those things, sure, and that's what I try to describe to people, but there's any number of combinations of gear that are far less expensive than the stuff that I've got that can work just as well to do that. So don't use that as a limitation to say, oh, well, okay, Don's using this stuff. I can't afford that, so I can't make an image like that. It's an excuse. It's an excuse. It's like asking next time when someone like that, when someone asks you that question, Don, say next time you go to a restaurant, and they bring you your, this delicious meal that you consume, say, my compliments to the stove. <laughs> yes. My compliments <laughs> to the grocer. The stove is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the artisanship. And, yeah, anything else is, I mean, for the most part, you know, we're generalizing, of course, but it's, uh, you know, people, you can, use, you can use not having what Craig shoots with or what Don Komaretska shoots with and, and use that as a reason for you not being good or not pushing your craft forward all you want. Right? And, and I intentionally wrote an article recently um, in, I think, that the latest issue of Outdoor Photography Canada. And then they, the article was all about just trying to push limits. That, that's the column that I write. But the, the idea was, okay, well, can I push limits with old equipment? And I went out and I bought, I think it cost me 30 bucks. The original Canon Rebel, uh, digital Rebel, the, the first uh, digital SLR that was below $1,000. Uh, and free shipping from Japan. Again, these things are paperweights. Nobody cares about them anymore. It's just garbage uh, compared to what photographers are after. And I paired it with an old flashlight and an old FD mount Vivitar wide-angle lens on backwards, and I did some water droplet refraction photography that was, I mean, as far as, as it flies by in a Facebook feed, would appear every bit as good as having come from my, my higher-end equipment. Um, I did some astrophotography with it. I did some up-close, uh, you know, different macro. I did bird photography, and it was a pain in the butt to try and get anything in focus. But I did mm -hmm. get one shot of a, I mean, it was just a seagull, mind you, but uh, with a wonderful pan blur, and it was fantastic. And those images with that equipment were worthy of being published in a magazine, albeit for an article saying that they could be published. But the point is that that camera cost me 30 bucks, and all of the other yeah. bits and pieces of that setup were $5 here and $10 there from thrift stores. Uh, it's, it's nothing that needs to break the bank so long as you understand light, so long as you know how to use it creatively and to bend it to your will. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. Bend things to your will. I think those are <laughs> excellent, excellent phrase, excellent phrase to leave, leave that on. Let's jump into the picks of the week. Um, Don, I'm going to let you continue since you're on a roll there. 
and you're bending things to your will. What's your pick of the week? <laughs> well, I've got this. It, it's an old lens design, but it's a modern lens. And I had a pick like this recently with a lens from Lomography. But, uh, and I love that lens. So I was encouraged to experiment with this guy. This is from Meyer Optic Gorlitz, uh, a, a German manufacturer. Um, that There's a storied history between, uh, behind the actual lens manufacturer. But this lens, the Trio Plan, the Trio Plan 100 specifically, uh, was an, an old design, optically flawed in some ways. But that flaw created one of the most unique bokehs possible. Uh, and so the bokeh is, when shooting wide open specifically, uh, is uh, nicknamed the soap bubble bokeh. Uh, where the outer edge of the, the bokeh circle is much brighter than the inner area of it. And it has this magical quality uh, regarding that. And so if you're shooting with this lens wide open, any out-of-focus points in the background just become something unreal, uh, something that looks like it's been heavily photoshopped or edited in some way, but it's straight out of camera because the light was bending in some weird, strange, fun way. Um, now, you can go on eBay and you can just type in Trio Plan Lens, and you can find a bunch of the old versions from many, many decades ago uh, and find whatever mount that has adapted to your camera and run with it, and that's fine. Or uh, the newer version that is being produced now has uh, updated optics. It's still the exact same optical formula, um, but the optics have been updated with new coatings and what have you. And this lens is just a joy to use. I had a student in my studio the other day and we were using this lens and they didn't want to touch any other piece of equipment. This was the only thing they wanted to play with the whole day. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, if you can see some images uh, made with, uh, with this, there was one uh, of a uh, light bulb that is like exploding in fire and the out-of-focus uh, dots behind it are just fantastic. Um, so it is my hope that I can create images like that. Like Craig had mentioned, I'm inspired by the work of others to take something like this and it has a unique quality and put it to practice. Unfortunately, it's not cheap. If you're in yeah. Germany, it's 1,500 euro. Uh, now, that's including VAT, so that price goes down if you're anywhere uh, in North America. Uh, but that's still a hefty price to pay uh, for a lens, a lens that is, by its very nature, flawed and manual focus, but it does this one thing in a really interesting way that adds so yep. much magic that makes up for the flaws. So that is my recommendation. That's my pick of the week. Yeah, love Those it. images are great. That, I really love that. I'm, yeah. Uh, I can see why you would want to do that. Very cool. Yeah. Right, thanks for that, Don, even though it's expensive, but it's beautiful and it will last you forever if you take care of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Craig, what's your pick of the week? Man? Well, I'm, mine's also going to be kind of expensive. I'm, uh, my pick of the week is the Palm Springs Photo Festival. Uh, they just announced their 2017 uh, program. Uh, it's something I go to every year, uh, and it is probably the best um, photography event I go to every year. Uh, if you do portrait photography, uh, any kind of commercial photography, street photography, um, or any fine art photography, it is the place to go. Uh, they have great instructors. Um, uh, Brooke Shaden, Erlen o uh, Olaf, Greg Gorman, uh, Sandro Miller, a lot of big name people that you just, a lot of times this is the only place that they will teach uh, uh, workshops. And um, I have always come out of there just uh, inspired and and. I learned so much just from the workshops as well as the other participants there at the uh, the, the festival. So I highly recommend it. 
Love it. How much does it? How much does it cost? What's the tuition? Well, it uh, tuition to go if you just go for the festival. It's only I think it's uh, eighty five dollars a day or sixty five dollars a day. It's not yeah. not a lot. If you take one of the workshops, most of the workshops are in the nine hundred to fifteen hundred dollar range. Okay, and, and it's, it's a, worth and it. it's a four been... day, it's a four day, three and a half day workshop. I've gone to it as well, and it is it is definitely like we were talking about before. It transports you to another world, and you're you're surrounded by people that are interested in the same things that you're interested in, and people that know more than you, and people that know less than you, and. You know, they do the portfolio reviews and all that. So you leave there just kind of re-energized for the rest of the year. So, yeah, I uh, I recommend it as well. Good. Good pick. Good pick. All right. My pick is this thing. So you guys remember this, the DxO1? So the DxO1 is still here, and it's they keep updating this thing. It's really cool. So this time... They're issuing an update. Actually, I did a, they did a briefing with me earlier today that is embargoed until Wednesday. Um, they're pushing a software update, hopefully they said around the first quarter, the beginning of the next of 2017, that will enable you to stream live to Facebook from this. So you may be thinking, well, I can do that now from my phone, which you can. But if you use this, you can. So if you're familiar with the way this the DxO1 works, it connects to your camera like that, and now you have a high-quality camera with bokeh and all that stuff, right? Um, the last update they issued allowed you to decouple it and still shoot. So it uses Wi-Fi to transfer, and this becomes a viewfinder, kind of like the old Sony lens camera thing did. So they're separated. What their new update is going to do, it, it will allow you to stream to Facebook and use all three cameras simultaneously and switch between them live. So you can take this thing off, put it on a little tripod, stick it somewhere. So that's one camera. And now you have two cameras. You have your front-facing camera and your rear camera on this thing. And you can switch so you have a shot of yourself. And you're like, hey, I'm Don Komareczka, and I'm here to tell you about so-and-so, so-and-so. And you hit it again. Now it's taking this front camera, and you can say, hey, and I'm here with Craig Colvin. And you can hit the third camera, get your wide shot from this, and control the whole thing. And you're live streaming the entire time. And they demoed it, and it works fantastically. <laughs> it's crazy. So that's the DxO one So they keep – I think, you know, when they first demoed it to me – you know, the I was like, okay, well, why would I want to use this thing when I have a really good camera inside my phone already? But when they start adding these kinds of incremental features, it starts to make sense. It becomes almost a platform where they can keep adding new features as new things become, you know, popular in the world. And Facebook streaming obviously is one of the one of the things that's coming on strong in terms of live streaming. Right now, um, it's Facebook only. I ask them the pointed question of, well, when are you going to put YouTube and all these other services in there? And, you know, they gave the, the standard Apple-esque answer of we cannot we cannot discuss unreleased products or services. So that is code for we're working on it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. That's my pick of the week, the update to the DxO1. I, I've been eyeing that uh, that little device for quite some time. It's a wonderful little camera, but like you, Frederick, it's been hard for me to justify its usefulness compared to the other equipment. But in this case, yeah. that is clearly a use case that if I were just running into somebody and said, okay, this is just perfect, let's just film an interview right now. Uh, and I've got now three cameras that I can play around with and just yeah. do a quick like five or ten minute piece. 
and not lose that opportunity and that camera provides that that's wonderful yeah three you have three camera shoot right there and uh the, the cool thing that i was like oh okay you guys have given this some thought was you can switch where the audio is coming from so you can have it yeah so you could say i want I want the whole thing to be controlled from the audio from my iPhone and then, you know, stick a lav mic in here or a splitter and put two lav mics on it and and go to town. Or you could say no audio at all. This is just, you know, for visuals or whatever. So, yeah, it's uh, they've given it a lot of thought and they're still polishing it. And what they showed me today looked like it was ready. I was like, give it to me, you know, <laughs> but uh, they're going to they're going to release it early 2017. And uh, we'll link to the, they're going to put up a page this Wednesday. We're recording this on Monday. This Wednesday, they're putting up a page uh, that kind of describes all the new features. And I'll link to that in the notes. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, very cool. Craig, you just put one in your shopping cart, didn't you? Uh, Yeah. I'm gonna put it on my Christmas list. There you go. Yeah, 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 this is this is Dad. You're talking (laughs) about stocking stuffers. Here's your stocking stuffer right there. So, well, cool guys. Well, that's uh, lots of stuff. So, if you were searching for ideas of what to buy the photographer in your life this year, I think uh, we've given you a little bit to think about. Uh, before we close off the show, Don, what's uh, what's coming up in your world, man? What are you working on? I am doing my Snowflake project right now, which is taking every bit of strength that I have to complete, as I do every year, and that's wonderful. I don't mind doing that at all, because that, uh, that springboards myself into wonderful opportunities, of which I just wrapped up um, earlier this year. I participated in a, uh, a documentary film project by BBC Science. Uh, my footage is in the title sequence of the Forces of Nature documentary series. And I'm very happy about that. Uh, thank cool. you. Uh, I have an unnamed. Is there, a, is there a link you can send us so we can embed that in the post? I, I don't know if they've posted it online, but I'll see if I could dig something up. Um, okay. But uh, I just wrapped up a Discovery Channel project, which is going to be wrapping up their editing in February, and I'll be able to say more about that at the end of the winter. And right now, I am actively working on another fantastic project that I can say nothing about. Uh, for but national... then it doesn't exist. Well, yeah, but <laughs> but I can say that it's coupled. We're with... all working on fantastic projects. <laughs> Hey, I can say it's coupled with National Geographic. That, that, that's about okay. all I can say. But um, so those are keeping me really busy. My daughter is uh, is now six months old, and we've had some wonderful photo shoots with her. I remember previously uh, I threatened uh, to put her in a pumpkin. And I indeed did. She uh, she made it. Oh no! Christine is going to be upset with you. It was wonderful, uh, and uh, and it turned out fantastic. So maybe I'll I'll share a link to that uh, that photograph because it's the most adorable pumpkin photo you have ever seen. Uh, and she, I've got to... she is going to thank you when she's uh, running for office and that picture comes back. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure that when she's 13, even then, then that will be a uh, a moment of hatred. Uh, but yes. heck, I'm going to try to I don't know maybe make her into a snowman or something. Who knows what the winter's yeah. going to bring? So I that... think she need, she needs to be Olaf. Make her into yes. Olaf. So there, there's yeah. <laughs> lots of adventures at play here. Life is busy. Cool. It's a wonderful kind of chaos. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's always a pleasure having you on. Thank you. And Mr. Colvin, what's going on with you, man? Uh, well, I'm I'm shooting like crazy. Uh, my photo studio is disappearing the end of December, and so I've been booking shoots, and I, I'm doing three or four a week, uh, and, and I'm doing some underwater photography. Uh, I uh, did a – I shot a mermaid underwater uh, about a month ago, and – I am and posted one photo on Instagram and I am just getting inundated with other mermaids who want to shoot underwater with me. 
there's who it's knew? a school of fish. Uh, who knew that there were so many? Uh, so anyway, I'm doing a lot of underwater work as well, even though it's uh, it's getting a little cold here. Um, but uh, heated pool, so we just jump in there and there you go. There but you go. I'm creating a lot of I'm, I'm experimenting a lot in the studio with some new techniques and new lighting things and things I haven't done in the past. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm hoping to have some uh, some new new directions to go for 2017. Love it, love it. Well, thanks for coming on, man. We got to yeah, get together, thanks. and Thank we got to get together and have our have our customary beer soon. I'm anytime. All right, cool. All right, guys, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Remember, you can check out this show and all of our shows at thisweekinphoto.com. You can also check out Inside the Lens, Don Komarechka's brand new show on the Twip Network, and congratulate him. On that, also you can check out Mr. Craig Colvin's. Craig, what's the name of that beautiful course that you built? Uh, photographing the human form. Photographing the human form, not safe for work. Wink, wink. <laughs> so definitely, definitely check that out. It's a beautiful course. It's very well done, tastefully done. It's uh, it's it's a one of a kind in the Twip School. So Craig is the Craig is the master of the human form and. It's gracious enough to share his knowledge with the world. So thanks a lot, Craig. Yep, glad to do it. Yep. Thank you. All right. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. Yeah.